Welcome to the darkness that fills my mind. It's the time of year where we thrive on all manner of lurid and morbid tales. Where things go bump in the night and the scariest monsters are the ones that lurk within our souls. <laughs> October is here. what sex during the Black Plague was like? It sounds sick and twisted. Actually, no, it doesn't, Kellen. But life goes on. It certainly does. As they say, even during an epidemic, people are still people. Horny. <laughs> Wait, what? Even when a ton of people are swept away <laughs> in the millions... Engaging in physical relationships during the Black Plague, another common name for it, was in many ways a lot like how it was during the rest of the Middle Ages. Questionable? Bedroom activity. Ah, Kellen, the concept of a bedroom is quite a modern phenomenon. And for many of us commoners, the bedroom situation was more of a communal situation, especially 674 years ago. But that's besides the point. On with Kellen's article. Bedroom activity during the Black Plague was in some ways pretty wild. Was it though? Was it? With some revelers deciding to hump the rest of their seemingly short lives away. <laughs> but doctors at the time also told people to avoid overexerting themselves in the bedroom. I mean, I guess you could have vanilla sex. I mean, that's not overexerting yourself because they thought the bad air, or miasmas, as we learned, would reach them easier if they did. Read on to learn more about what lovemaking during the Black Plague was really like. Well, Kellen, I am super stoked and excited to find out what sex was like during the Black Death. Are you? There were gatherings in graveyards. The Black Plague was a stressful time to be alive, for obvious reasons. One way to cope, according to historian David Hurleyhe, in the Black Plague and the Transformation of the West, was by celebrating life in cemeteries. Group activities were one of the ways people celebrated life. At Avignon's Champfleur Cemetery, for example, Things got so bad that a papal official had to threaten the fornicators and adulterers with excommunication for committing unseemly acts on the graves. Streetwalkers, okay, <laughs> all right, streetwalkers even took advantage of this desire by hanging out at cemeteries. It wasn't all fornication. Revelers also dared to dance, fight, throw dice, and play other games among the graves as well. Medical experts advised limited physical activity. Medical logic at the time said that too much physical activity overheated the body. According to Joseph Patrick Barnes' The Black Plague, 
and this allowed bad air to enter the body through one's pores, increasing the chances of catching the plague. Heavy breathing during the act might also lead to inhaling too much of that same bad air. A German physician even advised that all physical exertions and emotions of the mind, including running, jumping, jealousy, and promiscuity, should be totally avoided or risk catching the dreaded Black Plague. What could people do? Apparently, vanilla sex was out of the question. So they could spend their downtime relating tales and stories and with good music to delight their hearts. Selling yourself was institutionalized. As the casualty toll of the plague increased, working girls benefited more and more, according to Jeffrey Richards. They began to enjoy a seller's market due to a general lack of labor in the area, leading to a general improvement of their conditions. Leah Lydia Otis wrote that as the Black Plague waned, there was a quantum leap in the institutionalization of working girls. I don't know why today that word is just difficult for me to say. Institutionalization. There we go. Municipally owned parlors were built complete with royal safeguards. Otis did note, however, that the demand for girls began to wane at that time as well. Can I just say that that part, Kellen, was the most difficult for me to actually read? Words such as municipally and institutionalized were not coming out smoothly. Thanks so much for making my life so much more difficult, Kellen. I appreciate that. On with his article. Some thought immorality helped cause the plague. Joseph Patrick Byrne, who wrote that many lawmakers at the time adopted the Christian belief that sin angered God, who expressed his divine wrath through plague. And they turned those beliefs into legislation. Many older moral laws essentially became just plain laws. This meant sexual immorality was heavily legislated. This sanitary legislation targeted sodomy and selling one's body in particular. In Florence, for example, working girls were kicked out of the city in the waning years of the Black Plague. When the industry re-emerged in the decades that followed, they were still forbidden to work on the streets. Certain establishments, however, were still allowed to legally operate. Hmm, interesting. There was still an active gay subculture. According to the Encyclopedia of Homosexuality, Volume 2, a vital urban subculture of homosexuals existed during the Black Plague. Why wouldn't they? It wasn't until the Renaissance that more detailed records of the life and attitudes of homosexual men and women emerged. But this vital subculture was alive despite only fleeting glimpses of it in the literature of the period. A few decades before the Black Plague, King Edward II of England was murdered, and centuries-old rumors say he was executed for homosexual activity. Mel Gibson's Braveheart received a lot of criticism for its negative portrayal of Edward. The belief that sexual immorality, such as sodomy, helped cause the Black Plague surely was another factor in keeping the subculture hidden during the period. Oh my goodness, so what I did with my ass and what went into my ass angered God so much that he sent the plague. Hmm. And to think there are still people who think this way in the 21st century. Pseudo-flagellants performed acts in public. 
So-called flagellants during the Black Plague were, according to Professor Mark Damon of Utah State University, professional self-torturers who went around whipping themselves for a fee in order to bring God's favor upon a community hoping to avert the bubonic plague. They were literal whipping boys that people employed to buy remission from sin. The church, of course, outlawed this behavior, but that didn't have much to do to stop the practice. There was also another group of lesser-known pseudo-flagellants that went from town to town performing physical acts in public for a fee. The church outlawed them as well. I want to know what kind of physical acts you were paid to perform in public. I really want to know what kind of physical acts. Hmm, what kind? Incidents of incest increased. In domestic violence in medieval texts, Eve Salisbury, Georgiana Donovan, and Merrill Price wrote that incest in England actually increased during the Black Plague. Why? Simple arithmetic. The plague destroyed between one-third and one-half of the population, making exogamy, marrying only outside their clan or community, improbable. The problem, Donovan wrote, wasn't keeping cousins from marrying, but instead finding living cousins with whom one might preserve the patrimony. A lot of noble families died off during the plague years, meaning intrafamilial marriages greatly increased. Fines for fornication increased. Richard M. Smith wrote in Land, Kinship, and Life Cycle that the severity of fines for fornication in England increased as the severity of other legal fines generally decreased in the middle of the Black Plague period. Smith interpreted the high fines during this period as a punishment for acts that were seen as morally improper. So you just wanted people to have boring vanilla sex, that's it, right? The courts essentially decided to ramp up the punishment for immorality in response to the Black Plague. Blame the fornicators, basically. Smith did note, however, that attitudes about unseemly acts such as fornication, and thus the inclination to increase the fines for such acts, may have been changing even before the plague struck. I want to know how many of you would have been fined in this period. That's what I want to know. I want to talk to someone and find out what was considered morally improper, and also, how come the clergy was exempted from most of this kind of stuff? I mean, because they were doing a lot of morally improper things themselves, but yet everybody else was fined for almost thinking about fornication. <laughs> Let's be honest, a lot of us would have been heavily fined. I know that the majority of us wake up each and every morning thinking, hmm, what kind of sin can I commit today? And guess what? You're my kind of people. So let's just party it up in hell, shall we? With all that being said, I hope you enjoyed this lighthearted episode that I've entitled Blame the Fornicators. Thanks, Kellen Perry, for this article that informed me that I would have been heavily fined for my morally questionable sexual behavior in the time of plague. I hope you all have a fun, hedonistic, orgy-fueled weekend. Remember to stay safe and use proper protection. I'm Carissa Vickis, reminding you that consent is key and sexy.
Tune in next week for more October Madness. Ha 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 ha